Veterans Day Hakel that just passed was partially sponsored Le'ilu Nishmas Augusta Bas Rav Yosef HaKohen Mrs. Gertrude Wallach whose yurt site was on Yud Dalit Kislev Today's shir is sponsored anonymously as a schus to promote Ahava Sisrael. It's my pleasure to introduce and our great schus to have with us once again Rav Yosef Weiner Shlita You can tell that we do for an year when I come on Thanksgiving, and it's as cold as Zeus Hanukkah. So I'm happy to get the lecture Schar Alicha, but the real Schar Alicha goes to the people here who have to walk. I drove. And again, I'd like to thank Mordechai for all the Hishtadlis that he does throughout the year and for setting up the Shear. We speak usually right after Yom Kippur. And I know he works around the clock and around the year to make this happen with all the Kabayim and the Shul hosting. Uh, as I've done in the past, uh, I bought uh, updated USBs of all the Shiurim. The CDs are too uh, bulky. And there's a man in blue who is now sitting right here <laughs> who's holding the bag uh, with the nuclear codes and some USBs. So you can see him right after the Shiurim. For Bachram, there's some MP3s. I only have a couple, but they keep complaining they don't have a computer in yeshiva, and the cars they drive still don't have the USB ports. So there are a couple of MP3s. If they don't get over here, they're available also on the website, terrorstream.org. And most of them have the last 20 years' worth, so if you're from Flatbush and you think you hear your voice, it's probably you. So you can tell your children that. Today's topic, I was happy to hear that the Shirem was sponsored for Achtus because this is a lot to do with what we're going to speak about. I think the title was Shemer Achi Anochi, Achrayas to the Tzibur and to other Yidin. And the topic is very timely both because of the general situation, the recent tragedies, and an upbeat note, the theme of Hanukkah, which is coming very shortly. And let me begin with Hanukkah, because I want to point out something which I think is pushed, but sometimes overlooked. And that is that the decision that Matisio makes and asks his children to carry out was actually a chiddush niflo. We take it for granted because we know the story of Hanukkah. If you look historically, you'll notice that it kemat was never done before and never tried since. It wasn't a war for independence per se. It wasn't all about nationalism. It wasn't to test their yadi. As a matter of fact, thank you very much. The decision of Matisio was a tremendous chiddush, I'm sure at the time was even disputed. And let me explain why it was a chiddush 
in Simon Kufnan Zion in Yeridea, which is Hochis Yahar Vayavrim. It talks about the very difficult questions and scenarios which you've had many times over a long and bitter exile concerning what happens when the Ayiv, when the Akum comes and gives the Yid two choices to convert to the die, to do from the Gimel of Eis Shas Hashmad, any mitzvah, any less essay for sure, perhaps even certain essays. And the din is Yavar as we all know. We hope never to have to test it, but there were Hele Giyidin throughout the Darius who were tested, and most of them Baruch Hashem passed with flying colors. It doesn't say anywhere in Kufna Zion and the Sugyas and the Gemara and the Rambam that if you found a safe haven and you can practice mitzvahs yourself in a cave, as the Chashmanan were doing, they had before that, long before that, disappeared and gone into the caves so they can keep Torah mitzvahs. Caves of the Chashmanam is still somewhere. A tour guide will show you a few. I don't know if those are the originals, but they were hiding and they were successfully hiding and doing mitzvahs. No one at that point was necessarily coming. The stories that we know of in Megillus Chashmanam, but before when they started to try to stop a procession for a chasna and try to grab a kala and try to do all the things they were so devious at doing were things in the village still, barabim, and then they took a stand. At that point, there's no chiv to go on the offensive and rage war. And perhaps when they first escaped and they went to hiding, that wasn't even their plan. Why indeed they decide to start a battle that on paper... They couldn't win. Start a war they couldn't finish on paper. Therein lies the tremendous Chiddush. And that is that for themselves perhaps it wasn't necessary. They were Yechidim in caves who were keeping mitzvahs, would always keep mitzvahs. And the Greeks for 5% of the population would probably leave them alone. It wasn't worth it. As long as they were Rahman continuing in their plan to cause the rest of the Yidin either to disappear or to become his Yavnim, which is what was happening. The decision of Matisyo and the Chashmonaim was that for Arvis, for the sake of Klai Yisrael, for the basic din of Ahtubech Kamecha, that many Jews don't disappear in their Ruchnius, we've achieved to start a battle that doesn't make much sense, to go and fight even though the odds are completely against us, even though it doesn't say that in any particular sif or sif cotton and sim and kufnun zayin. The chiddush of Hanukkah is they went out of their way to do something for the rest of Klaisol, even though at that particular point in time they were being left alone. You could argue, maybe they figured they'd get to them sooner or later. I'm not convinced. The Greeks were, would be unfortunately successful in converting most of the nation, the few that escaped, they were interested in a cultural change. Probably wouldn't make a difference to them. And perhaps enough Yidin, a million or two, a hundred or two, a thousand or two would survive. But they felt that even though it's not explicit and it doesn't say it has to be them, why me? They didn't use that excuse. And he told the children, we're leaders, I'm a Kayin Gadol. 
you're strong enough to at least start the battle, why don't you start then? If we're supposed to get killed doing it, it's worth the effort, and if perhaps Hashem has rachmim on us and we get to save more Yidin and stop the tide of assimilation, then we will succeed. Chavaz Chaim was famous for have, having said this a number of times to close Talmidim that he thinks they made the wrong decision by being Shev al of not going into communist Russia and starting a battle. Now lest you think, for all the people who know history well, a few Yidin from Rodin going into communist Russia trying to take over, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. The idea sounds so preposterous. Hashmanam fighting the Greeks wasn't much different. And he felt it was a big mistake. He felt it could have saved millions of Yidin. He said, we would have been killed, and perhaps we wouldn't have won the war. We would have been machlish the Kayach of Ra, enough with our Messias Nefesh. And that's really what this is all about. It's almost irrelevant whether the one or lost. It happens to be, if you follow the history of Hanukkah, they actually lost battles, and it took years and years and years to secure the countryside. Hanukkah was marked as a yontif, also a chiddush. Chazal understood, because they were Chazal, they understood what was done, what the decision was, and what was coming. They understood that it's enough now, even if they just secured the Hechel, even if Yushalayim, the surrounding villages, the rest of the country is not in our hands. It's enough to already declare a yontif now, even though it's going to take years and decades, and the casualty of four to five sons to be killed to ultimately see some sovereignty. He said, that's not what it's for. The decision was made, a difficult decision, and again, there's probably a fair amount of discussion about it. The purpose, and this is an old Shiloh, why do you need the Nes Nigla, the only Nes Nigla of the whole story? The battles were Nisim, but they were all Nisim this turn. The only Nes Nigla was the Shaman. It wasn't necessary to Mohutra B'Tzibra. So why was it done? Pashup shot is that they still didn't know whether they were doing the right thing. Was this a chiv? Was this asr? Maybe we should have stayed in the caves? Put yourself in sakana? How much do you have to do? How far do you have to go to help other people? Maybe Hashem should be in charge of saving Klai Israel. Maybe it's not our business. These are real questions. These are difficult questions. And the Kosh Baruch Hu gave them Kaviyachal a nod of approval, a Hesha Stample. I'll show you one little nace. Just look at it. It's a nace nigla if you see it. And they saw it. And that's the proof that you're doing the right thing. Keep going, even though it's going to take years and years. You're going to have many battles. You're going to wonder, why did we start this? This is not winnable. And again, the result is irrelevant, as we shall discuss. It's whether the decision is proper, done then, and the mysterious nefesh is there, then we already won whether the battle is on paper and on the ground, won or lost. Similar example where you have a group of G'dayle Ga'ene Eilam, the Asaruge Malchus, Rabbi Kiva could have easily just continued to learn in a basement in a cellar hidden away. Why do you have to teach Terah Barabim? Why do Rakhanina Ben Chajin have to teach Terah Barabim? Why was that necessary? You want to learn, so learn. They're not going to catch everybody, so learn. Why does it have to be a public display? Think... They probably learned it from Hanukkah. The same theme is that if we do this for ourselves and we don't make it a public affair, then we're not going to help the Yidden who are straddling the fence to hang on. If we don't show that this is worth the mysterious Nefesh, even though technically 
It's not required. The Rambam and his Igeris Taman, the whole Igeris Taman, was written to tell the Jews of Yemen that unlike in Spain, where Natsus was a Vodazar, and it's Yahar Vayavar, and the Moranos, even though we're not claiming we could have done any better, was a big Nisayan, and they had their wealth and their security. Leaving was a death sentence. The people who left on Tishabov, most of them didn't even make it to Portugal. The Inquisition followed them there. We can follow them to the New World. So it's frightening. Very painful decision. La Maisa, it's also to do. Contrast that with what was going on in Yemen with Islam, the Rambam Paskin for them saved the whole country. Said you can go on the ground, you should go on the ground, you can become the Yemenite version of Muranos. The heat will pass. Just keep doing it, keep the mitzvahs. Chiddush. So one thing is it's not straight of Orazara. But what happened to the Khashmanaim and Hanukkah and Sarugia Malchus, the Rambam? And his Dastera of the time understood the community at large is going to survive in greater numbers if they do it this way. So you see from there, contrasting, we're not discussing right or wrong, we're discussing how to apply in each situation what you're supposed to do, to ask the right Shailas, but when it comes to the difficult answer that yes, you have to do this even though it's more comfortable for you to stay in your own Dalaramas, then Akash Boss looking for you to get out of your comfort zone and display the mysterious nefesh, and that's going to save Klai Yisrael. Question is, how do we do it? And I'd like to touch upon a number of areas I think these common human issues hold us back. And perhaps if we recognize them and we try to deal with them, we'll be pushed further to reach out to other people and to display this mysterious nefesh for other yechidim and for the klal. The number one reason why people often don't do it or stop doing it is because, to use the expression, they feel a little burnt out. Because they remember the last time, doesn't happen every time, don't want to get anybody dissuaded before we get going. But the last time they were screamed at by somebody who they had just helped or were trying to help. The last time they had busyness when they were trying to be and there's always somebody who doesn't like it. And I say that's somebody, those Yechidim, like 49%. Or maybe 55. We're at a matzah. If anybody gets an approval rating of 42, that's already good news. So... By laws of attrition, after a while, it, it wears on you. And you look back and you say, I'm not the only person around. Why me? This isn't a chiv on me. It's a chiv on the collective we. And uh, what for? That's one thing that holds us back, and we will touch upon that as we uh, continue. There's another aspect, and that is we're always trying to figure out and who deserves our attention and who's worthy of our attention and are all people the same or people are not the same. Understanding that is part of the success in dealing with people, which we will touch upon as well. I remember somebody told me that he uh, was dealing with different groups of people and he 
he found, uh, he starts throwing out Rashi Tevis, and he says he found that the BT is very easy to work with because they're always growing and looking. That's Balchuva. And the FFBs are also very good because they're thorough background and education, and they understand what he's talking about, and he just doesn't like the FBBs. So I'm usually pretty quick on Rashi Tevis, but, I, but that one went over my head. So he keeps talking about the FBBs, and and I stopped him after a while and said, yeah, excuse me, yeah, BT I got from Shuva FFB from, from birth. What's an FBB? So he said, FBB is from beyond belief. <laughs> Which is quite uh, sarcastic, to say the least. Which means he decided that, you know the way it works, I'm in the middle, and everybody to the left is an apicurus, and everybody to the right has gone off the deep end. We all think like that. The question is where the middle is. And therein lies the problem. Because most of the time, the people that need your help are the people that don't exactly fit in to your parameters. And you might have thought that they're too beyond the pale in one direction or another, and therefore you felt in the FBB case, his hedurim, his humors are beyond, and therefore, because of his or her lifestyle, that's why they're in this pickle, and therefore I'm not helping them. I've heard this many times. Says, because he wants to be from beyond belief, so why does he mean I have to help him? Instead of understanding our concepts of a humadas de kula, but most of the time we're talking about a heiligayidin, who didn't get themselves into a matzah because they did more mitzvahs, because they were mice and nefesh. They got themselves into a matzah so can present you with an opportunity of helping them, which is the Gemara. Gemara says, Hashem created aniyim to benefit those who have some money. Hashem created aniyim not just in money, but people who need to help in any area in order to give the benefit, the tremendous schus of those who are partnering with them and helping them. So the first thing you've got to do is maybe get rid of all the Rashi Tevis and understand that everybody's part of the same claw and working in the same direction. People often ask me, does this include everyone? Without repeating the drushers that probably shouldn't have been recorded in the first place from a few weeks ago after the uh, Pittsburgh massacre. And I'm not going to go into it again because I think whoever heard the various uh, themes and explanations heard it already. If you didn't, it's somewhere on the site or on the uh, USB. Lamaisa, the only negative thing that came out, I'd say the only, but one of the things that were highlighted, and unfortunately it was bandied around it from circles also. And that is that uh, Ava is so important, what I'm about to say is treif, don't internalize it. I'm saying it just to be able to, it's barred from a different religion that started taking one or two concepts from Judaism and then running with it and making a whole religion out of it. No, we don't love people or forgive people who murder us and are not repentant. That's very basic. If you have a sheet in life that there are no parameters and there's no good, there's no evil, and there's no mitzvahs and averis, so that's liberal and that's nothing to do with Jewish religion. Hashem 
created every midah. Midah means in measure, which means you've got to know where to use it. And certain midahs are used sparingly, very sparingly. But we have a midah of Nakama, we have a midah of Sina, we have Amalek, we have Scharvainish, and we have Tshuva. And I even pointed out the time, I said, you know, there's a, a butcher who, it's almost hard to hear, but we know the history, who killed probably over a million people and became Baal Tshuva, a real Baal Tshuva, became a Ger, and after he's a Ger, we really forgive him. His name is Nivuz Radam. So, how can that be? So, the answer is, is that I assume he didn't live very long after he converted, even though it says Nebonov made it very big in the clay cell, very big. But Lamaisa, if your picture uncle is, he had to like escape his uncle, his uncle's wrath to be able to get into Klai Yisrael. What do you think happened to Nebuzaradan after he decided to join the enemy and do tshuva and regret everything he did? I don't think Nebuchadnezzar had much patience for that. I don't know what happened to him, but can't imagine he survived that long. So part of helping people is first understanding what you have to do to help them and first understand what they need and understand who you have to be helping. The good news is 99% of the people deserve our help. The other news is there are certain people when in the position they're in, as they're saying certain things, doesn't mean you necessarily give up on anybody, but you have to know who the enemy is. And that was very disconcerting, I'm sure, to all of you to hear some of the banter of well-intended, even well-intended Jews, who just don't know any better, and they borrowed the script from, one of them even said, Pamali, borrowed the script from a faith group in a different state, and who came two days later to the arraignment to forgive him, even though he was unrepentant and said he would do it again. So... Part of the balance over here is to understand that if you have a Yid who doesn't know, then he's Arachrayas. If you have a Yid who doesn't know and is saying things that are just not from Yiddishkeit, it's also not his fault. He's a Tinnish Nishba. But you also have to know that as we're teaching it, as we're reaching out, that the Hashkafas that are the opposite of what we hold, don't seep in. And there's a way to strike that balance. I'm mentioning that, the very short version of the long drusha that I gave, is that that shouldn't hold up our kiruv. It shouldn't hold up our reaching out. It shouldn't hold up our understanding of people's lack of understanding. As long as we're well fortified, that doesn't filter in. And that's the only sour note of the... Chesed and Kir we're going to speak about is that as you do it, understand and reinforce your Hashkaf Sachayim so that the people that you're dealing with from all walks of life are mushpa from you, not the other way around. Perfect example, probably one of the greatest debates raged about a Medrash and a Chazal, down to Rabbachan of Asaman and the Chaznish, but it's this week's parasha. And you all know what I'm going to refer to. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Rashi brings down, any volunteer? Asa. What? Esav and Dina. So Yaakovinu was punished, wasn't punished, was a taina, wasn't a taina. Esav's coming and he puts Dina 
out of the limelight. And there is one angle in Chazal that says that because you didn't give her to your brother to turn him around, now you got to have her fall to an oral. So we all know the Chazal. And there are many, many different Mahalchim been discussed again. Advar Bachlal, Rabbi Chanan, and the Chaznish in the context of their time and who to join and that was the beginning before Hakamas Medina, how to join, who to join, how to be Mashpia, Hanatake Mushpa. These are very complicated issues. You just have to know at least the sound bites that none of this erases Chiyuvim. The question is are there any cases where you just have to do Sheval Tase? And if there are, where are they? And where do you have to ask a Shaila? Rabbi Chanan was very forceful on the issue that even this measures like Abedina didn't mean that he should have given over Dina. The is we don't call the Rosh Yeshiva and ask him for the worst guy in Yeshiva because you have a daughter in the market. That's the minig. We don't do that. So, why not? So obviously, Dina was something so special we can't imagine. could have turned around Asaph. No, Dina's mother, Leah, one of the most. She's better than Leah. Leah davened and cried for years and years and years. And davened and davened and it worked. She shouldn't marry Esau. That shidduch was pretty clinched. Uh, she got out of it. It was even willing to participate in a Geneva's das by the chuppah. Which I love why that's mutter. But mutter l'shem saving her own life and the Yaakovinu would be nichaleh afterwards, which she was. And all that to get away from Esau, which means she was... In, thoroughly convinced that she was not supposed to be in the position to turn him around. And Chazal agree with her. That's Leah, Manu. So her eight-year-old daughter is supposed to turn him around. So that's why Bahana says it's not true. Chaznish says, we don't know why, but with her it was true. There are many different pshatim. I saw somebody say something very interesting, that we know that Leah davened with tremendous mysterious nefesh and chesed to switch the vladas. Dina was supposed to be Rachel's, Yosef was supposed to be hers. And she davened and they switched. That was how they switched. Sometimes incorrect halach is drawn from this, a misreading of the Medrash, but they switched. And Dina was born, Tetzay Dina Baz and the result of this tremendous act of chesed has special power to do chesed and others and turn people around. Whatever the pshat is, it was certainly unique, and the minig is that you don't give up on anyone. You have to work on everyone, care of Kravim right around you, and care of Rechikim for those that are fit, until such point that you feel there's a danger you're going to be mushpa, in which case the pashtas is, whatever the measure is meant by Dina, then you're putter. But that's the rare exception. There's so much we can be doing, even more, and we're hiding behind often the fact that miani imani and sometimes a little bit false anivas. Another aspect of achrayas to people is not just doing chesed, staka, kiruv, helping them in the ruchniyets. And this I won't dwell on, but it's perhaps one of the most important aspects of achrayas, and that is, there is an achrayas when you're working for someone, or working with somebody, a partner, a colleague, your boss, to put in an honest day's work and to be honest in the relationship 
in terms of the Chesha Mishpat. And I deal a lot with the fallout when perhaps maybe one of the partners or one of the employees wasn't so 100% honest. Human condition. And the first excuse I hear is, yeah, maybe in hindsight that wasn't such a great idea. However, I wasn't getting paid enough. I haven't met an employee who ever claimed they were getting paid enough. Rightfully so. Just don't, never met somebody like that. Certainly never met somebody who claimed they were overpaid and returned some change on the paycheck. And the time might be true. The boss might not be paying you enough. He might be taking advantage. As long as you decided to stay, then the basic function of B'tachon and Amunah is while I'm here and I have no other better choice, then it's obviously Ratz and Hashem that I'd be here and therefore I have to work very hard 60 minutes on the hour. And the fact that I'm not getting paid so much and I didn't get a vacation that I wanted. And when I asked my boss, this is a recent one, uh, can I take a sick day? And the boss asked him, are you sick? He said, no, why would I be asking if I was sick? <laughs> so at least he asked. Most of them, you know, I don't want to say most, but some people don't ask. So he said, what do you want to do? He says, well, I see, uh, you know, we have uh, some sick days coming to us. Baruch Hashem, I'm very healthy. Why should I lose out just because I'm healthy? I failed to understand the exact question. The boss was nicer than I was. So, where do we see this? No, we just had this. Yaakov His boss. Talk about bosses. Talk about nightmares. hundred times changed the deal. Every time they had a deal and it went in his direction, they changed it. To the extent that you needed a situation where the Malach had to not only show him the DNA tricks of genetic engineering, the Chalayim, you notice, also says the Malach had to physically go and take sheep out and bring them back because Lovan kept helping himself during the final deal. That's how bad it was. After we changed it a hundred times. Famous Meister, the Arizal, was once listening to the Alshech uh, Darshan on this parsha, and he was smiling the whole time, and he even chuckled. You can picture the Arizal chuckling. I don't know if that part's true, but he was smiling. <laughs> and afterwards, the Alshech asked, um, he's very happy that the, the Divriter went over well, but, but my high. And he said that you were telling over and Arichas of all hundred tricks that Lovan played, every single conniving Ganevish shtick. And Lovan from the LMM is Bachvedabasma came to listen, and every time he said what he said, yes, that's what I used. And he went one to a hundred, and then you went on to 101, he says, that one I didn't think of. <laughs> Which is Gavaldic. So if you have a boss like that, it's definitely an Isayan. What was Yaakovina's reaction? He says himself at the end of the parish, he says, cold, rain, shine, heat wave. I never missed a minute. You weren't missing anything. If something got trampled, I replaced it. Nothing was missing. And the Svatsama says that this answers Akasha. said that a Shvogar asked him, the Sifse Tzadik. It says that Yesef HaTzadik will be freed from jail, will have his Yeshua, what should the next part of the sentence be? Because of the schus. Which schus? Yesef. Yesef Asadik had lots of schus. So Medrash says, the schus of working honestly for his boss, Potiphar. So he asked the shrug of the Svasem, of all the things he had, it's very nice, he was honest, we sort of expected. All the things you could think of, this is the only thing, this is the biggest schus? 
as he said, it speaks about more of Yesus Bitochen, which we know Yesus considered the classic Baal Bitochen, because he couldn't understand why he was here, was very upset, he was torn away from his family, and now he's working for this Russia Potiphar, and his wife was even worse. And under these circumstances, we would all say, okay, that's a Russian Marusha, and he's out to get me, and she's out to get me. At least I can relax a little bit. I don't have to take care of everything and crunch all the numbers all the time correctly. And as godless was that despite the less than savory circumstances, he decided, if I'm here and I can't leave now, this is Ratzon Hashem, I have to do my best at what I'm doing. And that's part of the discussion of Achrayis to other people. You can have Tainas. Avanish Dilan Afshay became a very famous Sugi in Baba Kama. Whenever people ask me, can I do this, can I do that? The first thing I tell them is, I can't answer your child without hearing the other fellow. That's reckless and all, sir. And number two, Avanish Dilan Afshay is very limited. Like uh, when your fancy watch is gone and you see a guy in the street wearing it and you have a telltale simon and you know he's never coming to base, then that's where the discussion starts. But to start taking cash when you think the boss owes you that because he didn't give you a raise that doesn't get anywhere near the obviously and that's not considered taking an achrayas for the job he's supposed to have let's go back to the most difficult part and that is trying to understand people to try to help them because we mentioned at the beginning the most difficult impediment to doing this on a consistent basis is the fact that Often you don't see a lot of nachas and the people have tainas on you after you try to help them and they're screaming at you and you get bizyanis. So Chazal's understanding, I'll tell them, is that, put it in this uh, category, I'm giving shir right now, and yani mazel and yichush and where mazel plays a role in Yisrael and where it doesn't. Very fascinating topic. It's quite clear, as Avdesla points out from the Radak, mazel, loshen, nozel, Mazel means that Hashem set up in the stars. Stars have no independent power, just like gravity has no independent power. And any laws of nature created by Kosh Baruch Hu are still run by Kosh Baruch Hu. Same as Tagnini Shulcha, the Rabban says, means, yes, Abhmavina, you're right. In the stars of what you were born under, you can't have any children. I'm moving them over. Anais, Rabban calls it Anais Nister. There are billions and billions of stars out there. We're never going to notice the difference. Billions and billions. They're constantly finding new galaxies. So, you can daven, you can have schusim, you can change things, but Lamaisa, there is a set of, defined set of circumstances that were born under, depending on Shabbos, the day we're born, the hour we're born, which constellations, which system, and these give you your character traits, how you're wired, your circumstances in life, and your personal set of nisyanis, of what you're supposed to work on, your strong points, and what you're supposed to be careful of in terms of your weak points. Gemara spells it out quite clearly, the famous example with the red planet. It says, yes, you're going to have an Atiyah toward this. Asaph had an Atiyah, and he didn't conquer it, and he didn't channel it. And David had the same Atiyah, and he channeled it to kill Bershon, which is necessary sometimes, unfortunately. Then you have the doctor, you have the mail, you have the sheikhet. There are many good ways to channel every midah. It's the famous guy on the Chazal. So I'll point out a contrast between Shaul and David. Be very careful if you ever say this other Shaul's a Tzadik Sadeli, Moen Telamaba, known of the Tzadike Hadar, of his Dar and Old Darius, and David Melch is David Melch. That doesn't need any introduction. You might want to know why David, if you look through the Navi, David had two mistakes. 
that he paid for because he was a tzaddik and was made a sadin, but he didn't lose the malucha. Shaul lost it for what seems to be a lesser infraction. Why is that? Chazal's lashon is that Shaul ba'achas v'lo also lo dava b'shtayim also lo. Shaul had one and he lost it. He didn't finish the job. Went to Olam Haba. And David had two and didn't lose the malucha. The guy says the pshat is as follows. Listen to the lashon of the guy. Inyan hu kibedava namra v'hu admani v'hu b'madim. That's why I picked this example. He was born, Shmuel and Avi first saw him. He didn't think he was even in the running for the king when he came to anoint one of the sons of Yishai. And it looked to him like he was Esav. And Akash Baruch Hu says, yes, but Yefei Enayim, he's channeling it, he asks Shailas, he follows the Sanhedrin, he's using it only for good. He channeled, he bent his midas, he channeled them, it was a painful process, but he did it eminently successful. When he was king, asked to be king, he was like a one-year-old baby. He was so pure. Such a tzaddik chait. He had one midah, which normally is a tremendous maila, but in life, you have to be able to use midas in both directions. And his golden midah was anivas. Anivas is one of the most important midas you can ever have. It'll save you a lot of kasa and many other horrors in life. And when he wanted to be left alone and they asked him to become king, he hid. He was nechbalakalim, literally. They schlepped him out and they made him king. Still good. We'd rather have a king who's not hungry for power. Unfortunately, he was Michael the first time when he heard comments in the peanut gallery. Uh, a king can also have approval ratings of 42%, but if they say it out loud, it's called Marie de Bamalchus. You've got to run a kingdom. And he certainly has a Sanhedrin to hold him in check, but he didn't have a Congress that was against him. No, I picked that example. Uh, where he was able to do nothing, and oddly enough, he had the same two years. I don't want to draw any parallels. And um, if he would have had the governing body stopping everything he tried to do, you can't call gridlock. So it's all good for the Jews. Hashem has a plan. But Lamaisa. It's Marie the Mamalchas, and he was Michael then, because he was an Anav. And then he was given a Tzivu to destroy Amalek, which he did very well, except for one person, happened to be the king and a few sheep. But again, why did he do it? Now, he wasn't looking to save anybody. The people asked, he's going to start arguing with everybody. That's a wonderful Mida. Never argue with anybody, unless you're king, or unless you're in charge. If you're a decision maker, you've got to make decisions, and as I began with, uh, by nature of things, there are always people who disagree, whether philosophically or from their own personal agenda or both. And because of this, his whole tachlis was to take the one midah he had and bend it in the direction that was needed for the particular avodah at hand. And despite its sitkus, he didn't do it as well as David did with his midas, which were bad midas potentially, and David twisted them and put them into place only for avodah Hashem. The reason I mention that here is because we're dealing with all sorts of different people and they don't always show appreciation and they sometimes look aggravated and we have to internalize the message that it has nothing to do with us. Deep down they appreciate it whether they appreciate it or not, whether they realize it yet or not. Often the people are coming, everybody's coming with baggage and there are many things in the background that we don't know about. 
And the aside of this Gemara and Shabbos of Mazel is that you don't know how people are wired and you're looking at it, your own myopic view of life is that, yeah, I find this easy. What's his problem? And by definition, we know, the faces are not the same, the Rishamas are not the same, the Tachzachayim is not the same, and their Nisanas are not the same. And the fact that we find something easy and we don't understand what's your problem is a concern in us. And we're not going to be able to help people that need help. Often these types of people have things in the background, whether they realize it, whether it's from childhood, whether it's from yesterday, whether it's the boss who keeps changing their deal, whether it's the pressures they have at home. Most of the time we're not privy to the story. Even when we think we are, we're still missing 90% of it. And this you say that the person's wiring doesn't allow him to experience the same simchasachayim you're experiencing at this moment. Doesn't allow him to capitalize on the opportunities you capitalize. Doesn't mean you're better than him. And until you're magia to his makum means that you have to understand you're never going to be completely magia to his makum. You can't fully understand somebody because you have to know all the secrets. And it's none of our business. Our business is to do, to help, to offer, to smile, even if they're not smiling back. Also, some say this was around the time of certainly of uh, persecutions. The question is when they lived, if it was the reign of Hashmanaim or afterwards. But also a recent Rashi, Yerach S. Reach Begadov. Rashi says, was the Drash and Reach Begadov, it's like the Reach of Ganeden came in with Yaakovinu. Rashi also darshins Reach Begadov, even the Yidden who are not so from, even the ones who looked anti. The Pintaliyid is always there. And the Medrash, Rabbah tells over the following Maisa. Yaakov Mishreiris was a renegade, an assimilated Jew, was anti, at least that's what he thought he was. And he was the nephew of Yesi ben Yuezer, the famous Yesi ben Yuezer. The Heluga Yesi ben Yuezer, who no doubt was teaching Tarabarabim, and the Medrash sort of brings us in to the day of his execution. He's being led out to be executed, and his nephew is there, says, Nephew, Ayid. So you would think, okay, he's on the other side now, but a little Rahmanus, Uncle, can I get you something? Can I help you? I wish I could save you. He comes riding on his high horse, literally and figuratively. And he yells out, uh, My dear uncle, look at the horse that my boss gave me and look at the horse that your boss gave you. Can't think of worse fear than that. Just forget the bell on the mako, just the bell on the haver. Like, this is really... You'd have to really have a very active pintaliyid. You have to feel like the apicurus who... Uh, told his friend that it's very difficult to keep this apikursus up. I keep having a hurry chuva. And he gave him an eight said, just drink your nagavasa water every morning and you'll, you'll be fine. It's like he, he had to like cover it up with bothers. He has to come scream and yell and insult and humiliate his uncle. Has he been let out to be killed? Like, like the worst people on earth give, give the condemned man a cigarette. No. He says, I want to show you now. He says, uh, Hashem, you believe in? Look, look what you get for being a Hashem. Look what I get for being a renegade. 
Look at my beautiful horse. Look at your chains. It doesn't get worse than this. If you'd stop here, it's a very famous medrash. I think anybody would feel that even Yeseb and Yezer is entitled to either lose it on him, he would never lose it, but really give him a piece of his mind, some serious musr, which he deserved, or ignore him. One of the machshavas of Yeseb and Yezer three minutes before he's about to be killed. So he's hazering shas and he's davening. And he's... Who has time for this creep? It's my nephew. It's, leave me alone. The godless I see in this medrash is that he did none of the above. He realized because of his avas Yisrael, not only because it was his nephew, but have done this for anybody, is that this is coming from pain. Nobody could be that bad. And he wants me to engage him to disprove his theory. So even though, yes, I have other things to do and I'm not really in the mood and this is insulting and humiliating and I have to really finish up Shema and Shema Nesrei before they execute me and torture me, I'm going to answer him because it's worth a try. And the rest of the Medrash, many of you know, he said without missing a beat, that's the brilliance and the tzitkis of Yezid and Yezer. Amr Loi says, good point, my dear nephew. Em kach l'malchisa of kavacham l'eser b'tzainai. says, this is what happens to those who anger Hashem. So can you imagine the eser uh, b'tzainai? Can you imagine the eser b'tzainai on the first line? And of course, that just begs the question, well, my dear uncle, you're supposed to be the Rosh Hashiva. You're the firm one. I'm the renegade. So what's going on over here? To which he asked. He engaged him. He brought him in, hooked him. Amalai. Va'asay Adam Ritzayna Yesem Emchaz. Anybody who does more Ratzon Hashem than you? Once he fell for the opening lines, he starts thinking already of his yeshiva days. So he says, I don't understand. When I grew up, you were considered a tzaddik. Amalai. He turned the Kavachem around. He says, yes, if this is for the few Averas maybe I had, I'm getting punished in this world. Can you imagine what's coming to the Averas Ritzayna? And that hit him hard. Nothing like a good Kavachem to get somebody on the derech. It hit him so hard, Medjur says, he went on, he disappeared. And he was a nobleman already. He couldn't do tshuva in front of his masters. Disappeared in Makayim on himself, Arba Mises Basin, in one shot. But there's a key to do that, or easy to live, apparently. I think similar to Nevuzradan, he knew he was going to be killed anyway. Didn't want to be caught by them. And he went to Alam Habu. The beginning of this Medrash, again, his comment, it doesn't get worse than that. And my uncle once told me, my uncle was not Yesi Ben Yuezer. Um, but a very fine uh, individual who told me this a few years ago, and he said he had a worker in his company, an employee, who grew up under the communists and uh, escaped after the war, and during the war and after the war, and he came to North America, and he had hired him. I met this guy. I knew who he was talking about. And he called me one day, and he told me, he lives in a different city. He said, uh, we'll call him, call him Chaim. He said, Chaim is in the hospital, he's very sick. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I suggested, you know, maybe go speak to him. This is a Yid who learned in Cheder in a small village in Russia as a young child, was swept up by the Jewish communist uh, movement, 
and was not only not from the rest of his life, but pretty anti. The couple times I met him as a yeshiva bacher, he was pretty hostile. The first, first and probably only time in my life I ever met what looked like a real apicarit, like he, I walked through the door and he started challenging me already. I didn't like say anything. Like real, I got a taste of the, uh, the bitterness and the, the old school. I wasn't old enough at the time to even try to delve into where this was coming from. Now I am, and per the Medrash, there's got to be something there. And he sees Yeshiva Bach, so ignore me. You learned Yeshiva once, it's been 50, 60 years since then, so ignore me. What do you got to talk to me for? What do you got to taunt? What do you got to make fun? So he went to see him. He called me, he told me, you're not going to believe this. So I went to see him, he's dying. They say he has another few days left. Conscious, dying, very intelligent fellow. So I walked in, I said, Chaim, Chazarbach. Spent his whole life doing nothing, had nothing to show for it. Married out, didn't have any children, Yiddish children, disaster. You're dying now, so just, you don't have to, I won't tell anybody, just do tshuva. He looked at him, and he said, Meyer, my uncle's name, he said, I know what you're thinking. You're going to cause me to do tshuva, so you can get schar, not on my places. <laughs> I kid you not, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't make this up. So he was so tzabrach my uncle, I told him, no, 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 he was just made to be mixes. You got him. He's telling you, not on my places. He just was made to tell him haba and schar and einish and everything. You got him. What are you worried about? And he said it before he died. And he died a day later. So his only schus against the elamemes is, well, I sort of said that I didn't want to do tshuva because he gets schar, but I sort of said there was schar. Can you imagine? It doesn't get worse than this, but there's always something there. That's the pebble. Uh, no, let's save for afterwards only because I just realized, as you asked that, that I only have five minutes left and I have another hour worth of material. <laughs> so afterwards, though, you can see me downstairs, <laughs> Mr. Shem. A small story before I go to the next Marmokam. I say over the story only because it's printed already. And my Sefer and Art Scroll in the back in the Ashkafa section, if you've seen it. If you haven't, it's apropos to this subject, and I'll also mention it. I'm named after my grandfather, who I never met. His yard site is two days from now. And there's a story I discussed with my grandmother like 500 times, and I never got to the bottom of it. She used to tell me how Shiva of Iron used to come to the house for days and weeks at a time in the summer during the war years of Adat Solo. They lived in Washington. My father grew up in Washington. And my grandfather was not a politician. He was a businessman, uh, American-born, but his father came from Kovna Slobodka. That's who we're from, real Litvaks. And Baruch Hashem, to say you had uh, from grandparents in America, I'm fifth-generation American. Uh, my great-grandmother was born in Chicago in the 1880s. And it was the Avas Torah and the Kavra Torah that kept it in line. Baruch Hashem, so we're living off Shosavos. And if Aaron used to come to Washington to have meetings to see what they could do, it was 
toward the end of the war, but uh, there was still a lot to do, and there were still hundreds of thousands of Yidin in Sarkana. So Aaron one time told him, you have to know Aaron to, uh, from what I understand, never met him, never had Swiss to meet him either, but Aaron didn't take no for an answer, and he was there to do something, and he said, uh, you live here, you got to get an appointment with Harry Truman. Harry Truman's vice president of the United States who was under orders, we know all this now, from FDR, not to speak to any Jews, certainly not any Orthodox Jews, certainly not anybody with a beard. And you remember the famous rabbis march on Washington, all the VIPs seemed to disappear when they came. Pretty dark chapter in American history. So Harry, whether he wanted to or not, um, was under pretty strict orders not to get involved. And the vice president, Lachary, shouldn't have too much power anyway if the president doesn't want him to. But that's one of the names that uh, Rav Aaron wanted to see. So he told my grandfather, get me an appointment with Harry Truman. My grandfather, from what I told, was a person who got things done, Baruch Hashem. So he said, okay, Roshiv, I'll see what I can do. They got in. The result of that meeting saved tens of thousands of lives, if not more. His order to Eisenhower to drop leaflets behind enemy lines for the remainder of the prisoners. They were marching in some American Jewish prisons that separated already. That was the result of this meeting. And I asked my grandmother hundreds of times, how in the world did he get in? He wasn't a Palhaya. Like, who did he, where did he start? I never got an answer. I was speaking, and I think I probably mentioned this in a hakel, if I remember correctly, about 16 years ago or so. Maybe more of the person listening who I'm going to quote will probably tell me exactly when he sent me the article. But there's a very good person, a listener to Saul now, Zev Roth, who writes, and he wrote an article called The Shabbos Guy. He had sent me in the mail, I think he was living in Flappish at the time. He sent me after a sheer an article in the mail about the Shabbos Guy, and it was about Harry Truman. He used to be a Shabbos Guy for a family in Independence, Missouri, in the early years, and... They were talking about his friendship with the family, and later on he had a partner who was Jewish, and perhaps that influenced his decision to recognize the state of Israel later on, even though his own Secretary of State said he was out of his mind and the Arabs aren't going to like it, and he writes in his own memoirs, and he wasn't uh, privately an Oev Yisrael, based on a lot of his Lashayness, but he said, I don't care what they say, I don't care if the Arabs don't like it, I'm going to recognize them. And there are all sorts of theories and books written on what, uh, what caused that? Obviously, it's Yad Hashem, but on paper, what, what triggered that? And Zevroth writes that a lot of the impressions people form when they're young last. And he had a family in Independence, Missouri, that used to give him matzah and kogel and all sorts of things. And he had a warm feeling toward it. And that certainly helped, which it did, which is why we have many takats and many shalom. So he sent me the article, and it was a sticky on. He said, uh, is the family that uh, used him, Independence, Missouri, is very cold during the winter. They used him as a Shabbos guy all the time. They didn't have central heating. So he wanted to know, they related to me. And I started reading the story, and the name of the family is Viner. Researched it, absolutely not related. Well, there's a piece of good news over here. I know that, my grandmother knew that. Harry Truman didn't. <laughs> It's a pellet. See the Yad Hashem, this stretched over five decades. 
So I, my assumption is what happened over here is Avaron didn't see any obstacles in front of him. He just said, they got to work there. You didn't never quit being killed. they got to do something. And my grandmother, my grandfather was like-minded. And the Rashiva said, go see Harry Truman. So he walked into the office and the secretary said, excuse me, who are you? And my grandfather said, uh, we're here to see the vice president. So she chuckled and she said, uh, do you have an appointment? She knew they didn't because they looked very Jewish. And uh, my grandfather said, no, just tell him Mr. Viner is here to see him. And all of a sudden, the door swung open. Again, you couldn't make this up either, but this is, uh, this is the family history. So what do you see from here? It's, it's a Hanukkah story again. Is that if you have to get something done, we have a lot of things to do during our day, and we have to try to do our shtadlis, the best effort, and we think it's going to work, not pie in the sky. However, certain situations demand that we try to do something even though the odds are so heavily against us. This guy's a communist for 70 years. He's not doing tshuva unless he's made the mixes by accident. And Yezid Ben Yezid has a nephew who's taunting him and he's about to be killed and he's not doing tshuva, but you've got to try. And they're yidden in Sakana and Truman's not going to see us. And my grandfather had no clue that the family asking him to turn on the fireplace had a last name of Viner. They don't even spell the name the same way. But it sounded fine to Truman, and he hadn't seen his childhood friend in how many years? Of course, when they walked in and they saw it didn't look familiar, probably couldn't throw him out at that time. There is some diplomacy left. So we heard the rabbi out. That means, bless Brera, if you're really invested and you really feel that everything is an Eitzarech, but it has to mean a lot to you, your own Ruchnius and somebody else's Ruchnius, your own Parnassah and somebody else's Parnassah. The famous Moshe with the Chavaz Chaim, we dive in three times a day, and it's always an avoided to make more of our tilas. You have all noticed by now all our tefillahs of Belush and Rabbim. And the complaint I get from many people when they're working on the tefillahs is they're very excited when they start, which is good because the first baruch is Ma'akev and Kavana. That's good. They're very excited when they get to Atachainen, who doesn't want brains and focus and Hashivenu and Slachlanu, Rifainu, who doesn't know somebody needs a foolish lema. Barech Halainu is an all time high. That's about Panasa. And then the usual complaint is I get to the Kaaba Shefer and Ashiva and I. I start drifting, and then by Medim, I get back from Miami, and I land. <laughs> so that's a common issue. So how do you, how do you deal with that? So Chavz Chaim has his famous marshal. There's a Ben Melech who was thrown out of the palace as a punishment. He didn't realize the king was watching him, and he was hungry, and he was out sleeping on a park bench, and all of a sudden, the king's entourage goes by, and he throws himself at his feet and he says, uh, Lechem, I need a loaf of bread. And one of the guards said to the young prince, Shaita, your father's in there. What are you asking for bread? Why don't you ask to come home? Then you'll have bread and warmth and clothing and love and you'll have everything you need. What, what are you thinking small? You're shortchanging yourself. If we have a matzah and light, Baruch Hashem, where things are comfortable, and everything seems to be okay, the reason we're not screaming to Kaaba Shafer and Samuel Dovid on a high pitch is because we don't live in Russia with the next pogrom coming, despite all the things that are going on. And Baruch Hashem, we're not starving. And Baruch Hashem, for many of us, life is pretty tranquil. 
So, yeah, we want the gulas. We say it, but not so urgent. Besides the fact that it's a fatal mistake because they don't know what we're missing in our ruchni. It's, it's a fatal mistake because there are many people with issues, many people with problems, and all these problems will be solved. If you'd be davening for the gulas, you say, Ni'ani, ma'ani, I'm davening for the gulas, it's going to bring the gula. The answer is, yes, every tefillah counts, but the more important thing is the display of Mesiris Nefesh to understand that the Yidin, like 80% of Klai Yisrael, that needs help, they need help, and from Yidin need help in their growth, and people have tzaras le'olenu, and the more you daven with that feverish pitch, even though you don't feel it yourself, just the fact that other people might need it, that already is the schus and the achrayas of sharing their pain, and thinking and trying to dive for a real solution, not just a band-aid. At the end of the day, and we'll close with this, there's always Memorial Day, hopefully it's Lion Mary Kaddish, I don't know if we'll be celebrating Memorial Day, but we'll do it after Shuas. There's a theme in Ashray which also we say three times a day. And this theme is all about trying to strike the balance of everything we spoke about today. We touched upon maybe eight or ten different subtopics of why we struggle with helping and how we can help more and how we get ourselves into a better frame of mind. And who do we help and who has priority and everything feels like triage and first aid and it's an emergency and it's urgent and yes, it's all urgent. And we have to know where to spend our time and our resources to balance it with family, to balance it with your own learning. You have to balance it with a hundred different things. And you've got to go to work in between quite often. It's hectic. Lamaisa, as the stipler says in his famous letter, there's X amount of aggravation coming during the year. How do you want to spend it? How do you want to have it? It's far better to be invested and even though it's not comfortable, it's not always appreciated, if you have aggravation through helping others, that also counts for aggravation. Now, many people say, well, I have aggravation for others and I have my own aggravation. But you don't know what you would have had. There's a finite number of points of aggravation. As Ashrei spells out the Midas of HaKash Baruch Hu, just to read the last few, Hashem is trying to give us a glimpse of the Gvura and Kfeid Ashkina. Everything is a umem shaltacha, as a vav, as a connection. Everything has a vav. Except for karv Hashem l'chol karv l'chol ashegu b'emes. There's no vav. Did you ever um, notice that? All of a sudden there's a vav every single, every single pasuk, and all of a sudden there's no vav. Karev Hashem L'chol Karev means Hashem will give you Siat He'll give you the closeness. He'll give you whatever you need to have Siat to make the right decisions. And the decisions are daily, hourly. How do you allocate your resources, your money, your time, your efforts? Who do you help? How much do you help? These are important halachic decisions, not only hashkafa. So, Ashrei sums it up. Hashem will give you that closeness so you can feel, after asking the right shaylas and asking for adrocha, to those who are trying to figure out the Dvar Hashem, the only thing Hashem asks is, the only caveat is, you have to ask the MS. 
You have to really want to help. You have to be willing to be mice and nefesh. You have to be willing to understand that it doesn't always work and you're given the schar for trying, like any other area of Vedas Hashem, it doesn't make a difference to what you ended up doing. And the Chashmanayim no doubt understood that this could be a total disaster, but we're going to win because it'll make a Rosham and Shemayim. And the Chafetz Chaim says, you walk into Kamias Russia with a band of 100 Rabbanim and some of their Gabayim and Talmidim, it's going to be on paper a disaster. But we're here to be machlish the Kayachara. And that's all we're trying in Messias Nevis. The result is not up to us. We just have to take stock. Are we really doing it by MS, stretching it to understand people better? Stretching it to understand that you don't understand their matzav and therefore give them the benefit of the doubt. And stretching ourselves to make sure that we're not only taking care of ourselves and our immediate family, but as many people as we can reach on the outside, as well as the people on the inside sitting next to you who might need the help and are too embarrassed to ask for it. And Mitz Hashem will talk to continue the next uh, hakel should be uh, in Eretz Yisrael, and we won't have any of these tsarists to have to deal with Mitz Hashem.